You're listening to Winged Wisdom. Thank you to the following sponsors. Siren Shotguns, the world's finest line of Italian shotguns and accessories. Created for the lady competitor, huntress, and shotgun enthusiast. Animal Connections, keep their tails wagging with healthy pet food. Voted coolest pet store in America and located at 933 2nd Street Southeast in Charlottesville, Virginia. Woods and Waters Magazine, a monthly magazine that covers fishing, hunting, boating, outdoor gear, kayaking, shooting, bird dogs, and so much more. Central Virginia Sporting Clays, located in Palmyra, Virginia, and offering a 14-station walk-around, wobble, and five-stand. Old Forge Sporting Clays, Located in Providence Forge, offering 16-station walk-around, wobble, and five-stand. Both clay courses are open year-round and available for your next fundraiser or great event. This is Winged Wisdom. Hello, everyone. My name is Kate Onstrom, and I am your host of Winged Wisdom, a podcast that highlights exciting, and engaging interviews for anyone and everyone that loves sporting clays and wing shooting. In today's episode, we're speaking with Jane Cotter, owner of Orapax Hunting Preserve, located in Goochland, Virginia. Orapax is an official green top outfitter and is also the largest public hunting preserve in the state. Jane daughter of Orapax founder Andrew Dykers, grew up watching the preserve evolve and grow, but never imagined she would one day be taking the reins. Listen along as we dig into how her path took a very sharp turn and landed her as the owner-operator of this magical and incredible gem in the bird hunting industry in Virginia. If you enjoy what you hear, please share and make sure to follow us on social media under Virginia Shooting Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you to our very first interview here on Winged Wisdom. And we have chosen to set this particular interview with one of our most near and dear individuals, Mrs. Jane Cotter, uh, owner of Orapax Hunting Preserve. Jane, if you would just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do here at Orapax. Thanks, Kate. I really appreciate you having me. I'm very honored to be one of your first guests. Absolutely. Among the first, anyway. Um, I am the owner, believe it or not, of the largest hunting preserve in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And I came to this via family means. My dad, Andrew Dykers, started this hunting preserve in 1987 on the same property as a vision for, basically he wanted an area open to the public um, in Virginia where people could be introduced to the fading sport of upland bird hunting 
My dad grew up in Louisiana. Of course, you know the story, but for your listeners, he grew up in Louisiana hunting and fishing. And that was his passion as a young man. That was not the way he earned his living as an adult. Um, but my parents found this property in the mid seventies and through a winding road, um, ended up being able to purchase it in the late seventies. And dad tried to do a couple other things with it because he was still working downtown as a money manager. We used to call him a stockbroker at the <laughs> back in the old days. Um, and so he learned that the farmers weren't paying the lease and the cows were ruining the waterways, et cetera, et cetera. Conservationist though he was, he decided that he was just going to see if he could make a go at running a hunting preserve. So he started this kind of one man band out of his house here on the property. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he um, would buy the birds. He would go buy the birds himself, bring them he so he, he would actually go and would, pick up, take the would. old family truckster. Exactly. And <laughs> There's another story I'll tell you later on how we ruined that family truckster here on the farm. <laughs> he'll never forgave me for that. But um, yeah, he would go buy the birds, pick them up, bring them here, store them, house them, um, meet and greet the people in his home while they were having coffee with my mother, go set the field. Oh, that's fantastic. Really come back, gobble down, you know, a muffin or whatever may sustenance he may need. And then he would go out and guide the hunt. Okay. Come back, clean the birds. Anyway, this he did on the, on the weekends, um, you know, from his real job, quote unquote. And so from that little teeny tiny, you know, glimmer in his eye, we've grown to a, a massive hunting preserve where last year we released almost 30,000 birds. Oh my Lord. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're quickly, um, well, I guess not so quickly cause it's been since 1987. Right. But did, he so when he saw the property, did he instantly just say, this is what I want to do with it. I want to have a bird preserve. And he didn't, he, he tried, there was a, a tenant on the property farming it. Okay. So he tried to keep that going for the man. He, when my parents found this property, he always claimed it was a magical place, a magical place. You drive up the driveway and it just turns from, you know, Richmond or Goochland and the environs into a little Xanadu place for him, which is right. like a magical place. And still people come here today and they're like, this is so pretty. It's just magical here. And every time someone uses that word, I think of my dad who died a year ago. So yeah. I think, yeah, it is magical. Um, but no, he tried that for a couple years, not real long, and then quickly pivoted to hunting preserve. Right. Um, he knew he had to do something in order to make the, the property pay for itself, taxes and upkeep, things like that. Yeah, because this this is not a small property. I mean, I am very well aware yeah. of how big this property is because I tromp through acres and acres. Yes, you do. You're probably as familiar with it as <laughs> I am, for sure. Maybe uh, more, I think, Kate. You probably uh, are. You've been boots on the ground, so they say. I love, I love being here. I love bringing yeah. students and clients here, but... 
How big is this property? Yeah, it's just under 700 acres. Okay, yeah. Just under. So we um, we have a lot of Mother Nature to fight. People often ask us, what do y'all do in the off season? Because our hunting preserve season um, is eight months of the year, really only six months of good bird habitat, good bird cover and weather, so to speak. Yeah. But the other months we fight mother nature because if you don't, you know, she'll strangle you out and try, she's trying to kill you the whole time. Yeah. So she tried to kill me this past weekend in the puddle field, I yeah. think. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'm sure she did. She came up from the earth and grabbed your ankles. She did. But um, yeah, we're cutting and mowing and trimming and, and, and whacking and hacking and grading and replenishing and filling in holes and all sorts of things and prepping for our fields by burning control burns and things like that. So dad knows, knew that he had this couldn't just be, you know, Virginia farm country that just went to, went to the wild. It it would have to pay for itself. Right. So the hunting preserve came and as we grew, we moved um, out of my parents' house into another little property on the preserve and we have some rental properties and we used one, which was now a tenant's house up what we call Megan's house up at the corner. And then they uh, moved into this, the clubhouse where we are seated yeah. now. Um, Oh gosh, probably 20 years ago now. Okay. It's been, been yeah. a year. I should tell the listeners, we are actually um, recording this session from inside the actual Orapax clubhouse Um just because it was a, a nice, quiet place. And quite frankly, I just love coming here. And it was easy, easy for both of us. And it's, it's just magical. A, it is. It really <laughs> is. It really is. So once, yeah. when, when did um, your dad realize, well, has this always been a public preserve? It has. Okay. It's always been public. And that I will point out is something that was a focus of my father's he wanted there are over a hundred private hunting preserves in this commonwealth of virginia all you need is a hundred acres of contiguous land and you can apply for a private preserve license or any preserve license even public obviously um either one suffices but um there's a lot of you know landowners in in the state who have preserves they can release birds and hunt and shoot released birds during the preserve season. And they do it privately for friends and family. And they still have to track the birds. And do they do they need that to report I, to the game department? I or? don't know if you're private if you have to do that. Okay. I, as a public preserve, know that I have to um, keep track of how many gunners shoot every month. Okay. I keep track every month. At the end of the season, I have to file an annual report which states how many people have hunted here. And if Kate Onstrom comes 10 times, that's 10 hash marks. Right. It's not just one. And I have to report how many birds I released on the property. And I have to report how many birds I that have been killed on the property. Yeah, I'm I'm very so, familiar with the report cards, and yes. I have to say there's there's some days <laughs> where I am so giddy to fill that report card out because <laughs> I've had students that were just on fire. Right. Um. You know, there's been a couple days where, 
I'm like, okay, well, you know, we still had a great time. Um, right. It's you know, all about the hunt. It's, it is about all about the, the hunt. And like you mentioned, Virginia's weather right. is a little fickle. Um, the hotter days with no wind are definitely tough on the dogs. I know they're right. super tough on us. You know, every time we get those report cards, and that's what we call them a report card, which I know is kind of a, a heebie-jeebie word for a lot of people. <laughs> they hear that word report card, and everybody, we laugh about it and tell people we're going to grade them when they come back. But my staff and I are always kind of, we have mixed emotions with our report cards because we are statisticians here. We have to keep copious, you know, notes and details. And we love a report card that has, you know, we released 20 quail and, you know, 15 were taken. Yeah. Um, however, we also kind of are rooting for those birds out there. So, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, those of us uh, that uh, work here, I have a, a management staff, we'll call ourselves of about three people. We, you know, we have mixed emotions when we see uh, those right. birds. Because we do a lot to maintain their health and uh, safety from, you know, the predators that would be so... A lot, I gotta be honest, sometimes we're rooting for the bird. Um, <laughs> to, to say that, we our average percentage because we keep that obviously we have to keep those rates is um, about 65% kill rate. So, oh, that's really good though. Yeah, I it's mean, it's pretty high. We, we, we like that, and of course, the ones that get away, we hope they go out and propagate but right really what we're doing is fattening up the hawks and in the fox and the, and the coyotes and the other things and, like that. Yeah. yeah those things that we're so but anyway that's that's what we love um i would tell you that you know my dad's vision since i took over the property which has been since 2013 okay i have really i started out as um kind of taking over as the operating manager and since then, um, transferred ownership, my parents transferred the ownership of the proper, the, the hunting preserve, um, to me, um, our business has grown exponentially. We have really grown. And I, a lot of times I think to myself, if I had taken this over, you know, right. 20 years Seeing ago, where, done. Would, where would we have been? Um, but here we are, we're really happy. We're, we're growing. I, you know, we pride ourselves in not only having a, the magical place to come and hunt, but also our customer service. Um, I think that from what I hear, of course, I don't know if people are just, you know, blowing smoke up my <laughs> butt, but um, that when they come here to Oropax Hunting Preserve, they are um, being treated with the utmost customer service that, that is available. And it's kind of like a dying uh, art in the service industry now, but it really is. Uh, all of my employees know that we're entertainers and we are entertaining customers, just like you might be going to the theater or the movies or bowling. People are spending a recreational dollar on right. hunting and they want to be entertained. And we do our best to treat them well when they come in with professionalism and courtesy call people by their name if we can remember it with the hundreds of people coming in and out. What you okay. do, I, I know I have come in any given time and I'm collecting my hunters from my particular hunt and Missy, who is, is part of your staff, yeah. she, she can easily be overheard. Oh, hi, John. It's good to see you again. How many guns do you have today? Yeah. And, 
you know, it's not easy. No, it's not. And I have to say, I do love the fact that I can quickly and easily get in contact with either yourself or Kendall or Missy or anybody. And it's a very quick response for any question, whether I call directly to the Oropax phone number or whether I, thank you you for saying that. I appreciate it. It's fantastic. And you know, my students and clients, just like any, any client that you have, I'm sure, you know, time is um, pretty hot commodity nowadays. And that very quick, response does does really mean a lot to us well we consider you know as in any service industry you know if we're not there answering the phone and answering the questions and booking that hunt people will dial on oh absolutely and we don't want that right we are open seven days a week eight months a year it's it's it can be exhausting Mm -hmm. but it can also be invigorating because when people come in they're happy they know they've they've already been treated well and treated with courtesy based on all you know the many phone calls that they make to us because booking a hunt unless you do it over and over again there's a lot of questions to be answered and asked um, so people come in and we kind of know them from that you know just our phone conversations right. with them and most of this is Missy Fivecoat my office manager um, who's yay doing Missy she's she's <laughs> I'm so really lucky I I, I Oh, I've already told her she can, she can never quit. She can never leave. I know. Uh, I let her know that all the time. Her and Kendall both. I know. I have my, that's my, I mentioned before my three person management team. I have Kendall Mitten, who is the farm manager here, Mm -hmm. who who basically takes care of 700 acres and, and very well, might I add. And puts out hunts and protects this property and the livestock and everything else. It's, I don't even know half of what he does because he just does it so well. He's yeah. he's the project manager extraordinaire. So how how many fields is Kendall taking care of? Well, like how many we, active fields tell, do you guys have? We tell people we have ten. Okay, I, I know can, there's there's some secret fields out there I haven't gotten fields. into yet. Yeah, I can I can make it more. We can make it less. We can you know morph things into places. Uh, through, through the years that we've been doing this, you know, I'm one of those people that's like, we're not going to say no, we're not going to turn people away. So we have found places to put people. We can split fields because they have a natural hedgerow. We have been planting and growing hedgerows in certain fields to delineate, you know, you don't need a 70 acre field for one hunt. So, you know, we can divide and, 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 is expand that, our property. Is that your largest field is 70 acres? I know the yes. center field is really big. This center field is about 70 acres. Okay. Here's an interesting fact. My dad, brilliant though he was, named all of our fields. And he was also very... I didn't know that. He did. He named them all. Okay. He wanted each, each field to have a different letter to start the name of each field for record keeping purposes so he could get in his Excel spreadsheet. Um, and <laughs> there, know, there's, use, there's the money man with all yeah, of the numbers you know, so, and the spreadsheets. So, and, yeah, yeah. So our fields are, you know, they all have a name and they all have a different letter starting the name. So, which brings me back to your question, how many fields do we have? We have about 10 fields, but some of them we are expanding into more. And the fun part is that Kendall and Missy and I are tasked in the coming weeks to uh, 
come up with new names for our, some of our oh, new no. areas to hunt. Okay. So, Kate Onstrom, if we send you off to the XYZ field, which okay. we haven't named yet, you'll say, what? Anyway, so that it's fun. I love that. It's fun. Yeah. But dad, I mean, he thought of all of all of the detail. As he always said, the devil's in the details. I know it's not his saying, but it's true. And yeah. he, he really He really had us, a keen eye for this business. He did. He did. And he was very methodical and slow to make a decision sometimes, frustratingly slow, but he had a lot going on in his uh brain, planning and plotting it all out. So you know, trying to figure out how to avoid costly errors. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that has really shown through, like you said, in your customer service. I know I have seen um, Kendall, the farm manager, every time, I, I feel like every month, um, I'm out here, you know, several times a month, but I feel like every month I turn around and I'm like, wow that has to be a new sign or that's a new painting on the side of the clubhouse. Yeah. And I remember when Kendall put the chucker flying with the cover on the side, mm-hmm. the front side of the clubhouse. So as soon as you walk up, there's this beautiful nice kind of scene. Yeah. The yeah. scenescape of a covey rise I and the photo booth under know. the old Oak tree. And I, I stole that covey rise idea off of a Yeti, um, video for a Yeti advertisement that was panning across uh, a cedar, not cedar, a cinder block building, just like this one. And I said, Ooh, look at that cubby rise. (laughs) We have to do that. And then all I had to say was Kendall, we need that. And it was done. He researched it, figured out, I think he's, he's kind of a lot like my dad, kind of the strong silent type. And he thinks a lot, there's a lot going on. Well, artistically, I am just blunt. I mean, because Kendall, so here at Orpax, they do have a fabulous love sign for for the fellow Mm -hmm. Virginians. Um, You're well aware of love signs all over the state. And I believe that Channel 6 News... Actually, yeah, was it Channel 6 that came out 12, or 12? One of the new local news stations yeah, came out did. and did a whole story on your love sign. They did. I know. we had, we had They were doing a story about, they call them, it's a Virginia Department of Tourism. Okay. They call them the Love Works or the Love Let, love Works or Love Letters. I can't remember. should be Love Letters, but at any rate. Um, and they went to, they were trying to hit all of the Love Works, the Love Letter signs around uh, the Commonwealth, but only five of them had any talent, what they call talent, which is the, okay. word, the word for, I think it was the, uh, that's the nice way to say the weather lady. Or yeah. Was. <laughs> Yikes. That came out wrong. But um, yeah, she, she was here. So we got to be one of the five. We were yeah. excited about that. I insist that it wasn't proximity to Richmond, Virginia, that made them have that decision, but, um, it was pretty easy though. Yeah, They just had to drive down. That's, that's been one of the boons for our, our businesses. It's though. super eye catching. So yeah, people love to come in and take pictures and then, it, you know, it just draws, you can go through the department of tourism map to, and you will find all of the love letters. Oh, that's pretty cool. And you could, a lot of people want to go to them all. So we've yeah. had people come in and then they say, what is this? What is, you know, what, Oh, you have a barn here. You have this, 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 that, yeah. the other. So it's been nice to have that here. And I know we've had some fierce and mighty hunters say, what are those doing here? You know, 
but <laughs> majority of people like it. It's, well, so. we we love it, you know, no no pun intended. But um, so as far as when being a woman in this industry, mm, um, yes. I know for myself being in the just shooting sports industry by itself, um, there are certain challenges. Yeah, there are certain roadblocks. Um, what is it that you have found that you've had to really overcome? Well, first of all, I'd like to say you, Kate Onstrom, are a role model for me. Oh, well, in this thank industry. you. <laughs> um, if I have questions or problems and things like that, I definitely use you as a resource. And I thank you for that. You've Absolutely. Been I appreciate support. that. Yeah, you've been a great support and, and so many things that you're juggling and doing successfully and um, I think about you as well as a woman in this business trying to, it can um, be tough, make a name, yeah. very tough, very tough. Um, when I took over from, I kind of took over in a, it was a hostile takeover, if you will, okay. um, about 13 in, in 2013. Um, there were some rocky things going on. The there was property. a different, different management different that management. was in place. My parents were aging. Um, and kind of out of it and okay. being a little trustworthy, things like that. But without getting too deep into all of that, um, I came in with a sales background. Um, I used to work for Allied Van Lines in sales. Okay. And you have a, a degree in economics. Economics. Yeah. Okay. That's um, fantastic. I mean, thanks. Yeah. I, um, anyway, I took over and as, I've grown up around the sport of upland hunting, but I have not, you know, operated a business other than my own sales, you know, career. Um, so I knew about what was going on here, but I was never, you know, knee deep into it, all the nitty gritty. And so I had a very steep learning curve um, to try to figure out, you know, what was going on here. I could tell something was going definitely wrong. Um, and my dad basically begged me to come over, come here and, and say, make it better. Yeah. yeah save please it. help me. You need to get here. He says, I was like, Oh, great. Kicking and screaming. I came in, but, um, yeah, it was very tough. At that the had beginning. to be pretty scary for you. I mean, cause like you said, you grew up around this, but you, I mean, were you a bird yeah. hunter? Were you no. a hunter in general? No. I was not. I have more of the suburban sports of tennis and golf. Okay. Yeah, I was, I've said to myself in the beginning, wow, if this had been a tennis facility, we'd be rock, <laughs> we'd be rocking and rolling. But now I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, came in with, I understand now why when, I'm not comparing ourselves to corporate, you know, right. big time companies, but I did understand a little bit why when people come in and I've bought your business out or I'm taking that they fire the management staff and start over. Really? I understand that because people are loyal to who they're, who hired them and who they've worked under. And so when I came in and start, tried to say, okay, let's get this going. Here's, you know, figure this out, do this, help me here. Help me to understand. I see weaknesses and strengths. A uh, little bit of disgruntledness. None of, oh, and... none of this. Uh, everything I said that needed to be done 
was, was wrong. done the opposite, yeah. was wrong, was pusha, what have you. And it was very upsetting, very, very disheartening. Um, what helped you get through that? I had to, what helped me get through that was, um, my husband with some support there. Mm -hmm. Um, and just knowing in myself that I had to do the hard things like fire people that were here. Wow. That, that had been here for a while. Yeah. And took out all that intellectual knowledge was leaving when they when their truck drove off that property here, I was standing here going, okay, well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so and let's go feed the birds. <laughs> let's go feed the birds, you know? So I, but you know, and then I had a bunch of guides who worked with me and worked in, you know, for the previous, you know, regime, if you will. And that was a hard transition for them to, mm -hmm. to and I understand that because I'm just this, you know, young girl coming in here that doesn't, they've been here for 20 years. And now I'm just here taking over, telling them what to do. Yeah. It's not just, I, I need to think of the same thing. Like, who are you? Yeah. It's not just the, Oh, that's the owner's kid, but it's for sure. the owner's daughter. Daughter. How exactly. could she possibly? Right. And I'm not a commanding force uh, visually, you know, I'm five foot three and very wimpy. And, no, you know, I, so I, it's, I think you're pretty scrappy. Well, thank you. sister. <laughs> anyway, it was hard. And I had to make a lot of hard choices. I had to fire people and that was scary and it's, yeah. it's hurtful and it's, it's not, but I have learned through these many years, which people know before I had to know this, that, it, you know, if you're going to carry the football, you're going to get tackled. And I got tackled a lot. And That's a great hurt. way to put it. And yeah, I just um, kept realizing that I'm going to get back up. Right. You know, and I have to, a lot of times you have to take that sack. You've got to get tackled be, and, and because it's for the greater good, you know, you've got to fire that person. You've got to take the blame. You've got to admit your weaknesses and right. your lack of knowledge. Well, if you want to keep going, you've got to get back up. Right. So when, when you got back up, we'll say, um, you know, you've mentioned before, and I know firsthand very well that you have just a tremendous staff in place. How did right. you build that team? How did you come across Kendall? Yeah. How did you come across well, Missy and I all of your bird it. planters? Yeah, and yeah. I have a team, a management team of three. I include myself in that. Um, it is myself, the owner and operator. Um, and then I have Missy Fivecoat, who is our office manager, and Kendall Mitten, who is our farm manager. Kendall and I are the only full-time year-round employees. I found Kendall um, probably about, you know, 17 years ago. I found Kendall. Oh, my gosh. Was, I didn't realize he'd been here that long. Well, he hasn't. The joke is I found him when he was just a young person in the world because I met him. <laughs> When he was in middle school, he was a classmate of my youngest oh, wow. son, Brian. Okay. And so that's the joke where 17 years ago. Yeah. You know, Kendall, um, I always knew him as an outdoorsman at a young age. His family culture is camping and hunting and fishing. The Mitten family, that's what they do. And 
he would invite Brian along, my, my son Brian with him, uh, you know, on these outings. And Kendall just is, he's always had an affinity for the outdoors and tools and equipment. And this is how his, his uh, energy vibrates. And I thought about him um, as I was knew I was going to be going through a staffing transition and I had to let people go that were here before my hostel takeover, if you will. <laughs> and um, Kendall was um, uh, studying at BCU as a small business administration. And I asked him to come on part-time while he was in school. So he worked for me part-time while he was, um, you know, in the last year of getting his degree um, from VCU. And then after I had fired the farm manager, let him go, let's just say, he's <laughs> the pun of firing. Needed, needed to be done. Firing on the hunting preserve. Um, I asked Kendall if he would consider it coming on as the full-time employee here as the farm manager. And he said yes, which I was very surprised because I assumed he would go off and run his own small business because he is that capable of a person. And um, well, and you can see his talent and his touches all over this, every, yeah. every piece of the 700 acres. You, you just look at it and you're like, you know, someone really took their time. Yeah. This really meant something to someone, and that yeah. someone's been kindled. It has been, and he is a conservationist, and he loves hunting, and he loves the outdoors, and he's he's a planner, he's a project manager, he's a long-range planner. For such a young person, he's managing this property for into the future, and fields that we use to release birds that we hunt in, he has a vision for that. In the future, this field that has a name is called the railway field, you know, different letter of the alphabet. He's planning for that field, how to take it back, how to management along with, you know, we have a deer lease here. And so he's he's amazing and talented and um, I'm just grateful to have him. He loves being here or so he says. <laughs> and uh, I am forever grateful and working one of the reasons why I am personally working so hard to make this uh, hunt for packs hunting preserve a success is for Kendall and his family. That That's he is. awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's the breadwinner for his family. And he just, he just had a second baby. He just had their second little girl, yeah. Allie. And so he's got Charlotte and Allie and his wife, Kelly, and they're, um, you know, they're a great family and I want him to be able to provide for them in a beautiful way. And so it's very important for me to make this place a success, um, not only for the legacy of my dad, but for Kendall. That sounds silly. I don't know why, well, no, this, but it is true. This is It comes from my heart. It's for anybody that's been here can, I mean, we all know that it's family owned and operated, but it's family oriented. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me a little bit about, tell the listeners a little bit about, because I've had the personal pleasure of enjoying the dove hunts that you guys are now offering, which anyone that's a dove hunter knows that first two weeks are crazy. Yeah, well, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, it's great for us. We've This is our second attempt at a dove field. Our first attempt was Valiant, 
We did a good job. The doves did not come. We, in our second attempt, Kindle, um, in his wisdom, decided that the only real way to keep the deer off of our sunflowers <laughs> was to put an electric fence around it. Yeah. And that was a great idea of his. It made and a huge difference. It made a huge difference. We had a beautiful, fruitful field, and we had a lot of doves come. You know, and of course, in, in any dove field, a lot of it is the weather and the pressure and the, yeah. luck of the weather of that week. But we had a lot of dove, and it was really fun. It was very successful. We had fun barn party afterwards. Yep. And um, so that's one of the new offerings that we've we've come up with um, and in that, the years that we've been doing this. That was really fantastic. I always say, as long as the gun barrels are as hot as the temperature, yeah. The day of a dove hunt, it's a damn good dove hunt. It certainly was. <laughs> An onstromism. It, it is. is. Well, you I mean, in your wisdom, there things hunting. It's so funny you put it that way, but it was hot. Yeah. Yeah, sure. it was. It was definitely a typical Labor Day weekend. You know, early September. Yeah. You know, good old mid mid to upper 80s yeah, it was. <laughs> but the barrels were just as hot as the thermostats yeah, there's a lot of shooting doesn't yeah. seem like those doves fly high and they're little boogers aren't they yeah they they're gray ghost for a very good reason yeah it's funny but uh, people loved it they had a good time and we have people a uh, phone starts ringing in you know july are you gonna have a dove hunt are you gonna have a dove hunt you know so that's awesome we were now able to to when the first few years that i was you know managing operating uh, the answer was no but we decided to take that on and it's fun to say yes and create a new tradition here so we've had our second annual and we're hoping to continue on with the annuals and have it grow and grow and maybe even plant more areas where absolutely you know, so. i know i have several students looking forward to next Labor Day weekend for well, sure. Well, you have been so generous in re referring us to your students, and I, I I appreciate that. That's great, and you know it's just a lot of synergy. Somebody hears from somebody that hears from somebody, yep. and it spreads. And they come one year, and then the next year they'll come again. So, well, when you find for a, helping us kickstart that, yeah, you find I a great place, it. you want to share it. So, um, so who tell us tell us more about the rest of the staff? I know you've mentioned yeah, good old get, Missy Five Coat. I cannot gotta get Missy on the phone. Missy Five Coat, she's my right hand man, and um, Missy is the person who's like the meet and greet. And when you dial that phone number to call us, she answers the phone, and she'll take down all your information. I honestly, Missy is a local Goochlander, and she's lived in Goochland for almost 40 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she um, knows so many people around town. And I told my brother uh, that I needed somebody, and he referred me to Missy. Who used that's to work, how you got Missy. I was wondering how Missy ended up Missy here. Missy used to work at Brothers in Arms. Oh, right in Goochland, right, right on the main drag. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry, brothers and arms, but I stole her. <laughs> and so she works. They're probably me. still a little pissed off yeah, about that. Well, <laughs> if they're not, they didn't know what they were, what they had. But um, yeah, I'm so lucky. And we, luckily, the three of us all get along, and we all talk to each other numerous times a day. <laughs> 
all day long for months and months in a row, every single day. And um, yeah, we laugh a lot. We get along great. And um, if we didn't have the humor that goes with it in any you know relationship, right. that goes for every relationship, whether it's child, spouse, coworker, you know, whatever. Um, if you don't have that humor, then you're not gonna you're not gonna have very long lasting right. uh, situations. So we get along great, and um, I, she reminds me to remind other people to remind each other. To do their own <laughs> thing. So it works out really well. So I'm very happy for that. And as far as my staff of um, associate yeah, yeah. outfitters is what I like to call yeah. them. Uh, they're actually the people that release the birds, put them out in the fields for us on our weekends are mostly um, high school and college kids, local kids that I get through word of mouth. Um, people, Someone asked me the other day if I had had any issues in this tough staffing time. Yeah, um, staff, staffing is tough. I've had people want to work here. If you're a kid, would you rather work here at Orpac Sunny Preserve on a farm? Or would you rather work fast food or no, you know, no shade on these other I places, mean, but it's super fun. Here you get to play with the birds, you get to drive the mules, you right. get to see everybody out there yeah, having a great so, time hunting. Right. And it's actually a very autonomous job. I'm not over your shoulder. I, mm -hmm. I specifically hire people that are self-starters, go-getters. I'm not one to, you know, trail behind you with the white glove, making sure you dusted the the mantle, <laughs> right? If I ask you to go clean the dog kennels or the pigeon coop or to do this or to, you know, clean birds for our customers, you know, I, I assume you're going to do it. So right. it, it takes a special person to work here. And I have to say, you know, it's not easy because not only do you have to be physically fit and strong to work here because you're dealing with birds and animals and you're walking you're releasing birds in a field you're handling dogs etc you have to be good with customers because i want my staff to look people in the eye and shake their hands and say hello may i help you sir ma'am may i clean your birds for you um, but they also have to do and this may sound funny to the average listener they have to do math because yeah they're actually i kind of it's lean on them a little bit because I'll yeah. have, you know, my last hunt this past weekend, I had three guns, mm -hmm. but we had some odd numbers of birds, like yeah. 11 quail and, right. you know, four, four or five chucker and a pheasant. And I was like, you've got to make, yeah, you have to be able to do math enough and be detail oriented. How many people are in your group? One or two people is different from three to four people. And so you have to create yep. and simulate a wild bird hunt in a field. Which way is the wind blowing? What does the cover look like? What type of bird are you putting out and where in that field? What does the specific, some of our hunts are self-guided. Some are guided by professional handler, dog handlers with their dog. What do they, those people like? How do they want it? You know, so there's a lot of decisions and it all has to be done. I describe it as a fire drill in the morning. It's got to be done fast, 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 fast. <laughs> After that's done, it's kind of slow and easy, but then fast, 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 fast when it needs to be done. Um, so it takes a smart person 
an autonomous worker and um, I have been really lucky, you know, yes, I've had to cut some people that didn't, you know, make the grade. Um, but well, I gotta say when I purchased, um, I think I bought like half a dozen chucker. I was going to do a little field trial prep for Lacey Blues. And yeah, I told Kendall, uh -huh. I said, Hey, just, you know, there's some birds in a box and I'll get them and take them down to the keyhole. And, um, once I finally wrangled the first bird out of the box, yeah, yeah, I had to convince it not to go anywhere. Right. Um, and then I had, you know, three birds yeah. I had to put down in the field for her first run. And I think I probably would have been fired the first day. <laughs> you would have been fired because those birds would have flown away. Oh I my had to God. go back and get some more to replace the ones that flew out of it your hands. Really? It's yeah. not it for takes, the faint of heart. It's not. It's not. And it takes months and months for the kids to actually learn how to do it and do it quickly, properly, effectively. Yeah. Not get hurt. These birds will, will fight you. And so, oh, the the chucker wanted me. Oh, I mean, yeah. it. There was one chucker in particular it's looked a, me in the eye and was coming for me. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I mean, they were describing. They flew fantastic, and that's something that I've loved about this preserve is I never have to second guess. Oh, are we going to have to kind of kick a couple quail, or yeah. you know, are we going to have to awesome behind your back? <laughs> are we going to have yeah. to go like, oh? look over there Mr. Quiet while I throw this bird this way it's I gotta tell you my dad takes the credit for that because um we have found good bird suppliers through trial and error and there's nothing that'll kill your hunting preserve more fast than <clears throat> excuse me than birds that don't fly well yeah yes they're pen raised birds and they're not going to fly like a wild bird but they're not that much different, though. If you don't get a good bird supplier, then you'll go down the tubes because word of mouth will follow you. Right. And people will say, yeah, but the birds didn't fly. Birds didn't fly. Do I ever have a batch of birds that maybe don't fly well or this or that or the other? Yes, it happens. Right. But people that come here, we're going to make it right for them. Right. Um, it, it, it's unusual, you know, but it's... We've got two main bird suppliers that we use both out of North Carolina. I get a shipment of birds every week. We project. So you have fresh birds every week. Every single week. We project how many hunts we have. We count up. Back to the math issues. We all got to count up <laughs> how many who's, you know, how many birds does Kate Onstrom's group need, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So we count them up. She's such a pain. She's always changing bird counts. Uh, I, I, I disagree. We have every second. Every time our phone rings, it's a smile on our face. You know, uh -huh. we love it. We love it. So, but yeah, so we get a fresh order of birds every week. If we don't need them, say it poured rain all week and we don't hunt and we don't order for the following week, we just go in, keep our birds moving, keep them fed, watered, keep them moving in our pens. And you, you do a lot. I know Kendall um, has it set up in the bird barn that there's no personal interaction with the birds. The birds don't even know you're there. He's created right. like this crazy watering system so yeah. the birds don't ever see you. They just magically exactly. get water and food. Right. We're trying to keep these birds as 
quote unquote wild as we can. Right. The more time you walk in there, they get used to people. Right. And, and we don't like that. And they, it stresses them out and they fly around and bump into things and kill themselves. And things <laughs> like that. So again, through the years, we've kind of figured it out how to do, you know, walk into that pen as few times as we need yeah. to. So we have a watering system that's exterior to interior. We have a uh, catch pen where we can push them down in to that pen where they kind of can free flow in and out. And when we have a guillotine door where we close it, the ones that are in the catch pen are the ones that are lucky. <laughs> <laughs> lucky, unlucky. Lucky, unlucky. Sorry, not sorry. My dad would say uh, liberated. We are liberated. liberating these birds. Yes. And uh, again, back to the, we're rooting for you. <laughs> go birds, go. Not if Kate Ostrom and her group is there. All of those birds pretty much get down. I love the liberated birds in the hedgerow. That's um, yeah, man. So the third go round on any one of my hunts is usually a hedgerow cleanup. And it is uh -huh. where... I earn my money. Yes, <laughs> that's coming out of their scratches. That I've is me. Yeah, I'm I'm still dealing with some prior issues from this yeah. past weekend. But um, so for for the people that you bring in to help guide these hunts, um, what do you, what do you do? How do you find them? I mean, I know you've got people like Dennis Cavico. He's been mm -hmm. here for like 25 years. Sure, yeah. I mean, and one of the people that supported me all along the way. Oh, wow. So that's fantastic. Nice. And with his knowledge of 25 years, me coming in as green person, he taught me so much for sure. Um, we are a preserve, which again, not like, like many preserves. Well, let me rephrase this. A lot of preserves will require you to have a guide from that preserve if you hunt there. Okay. My customers are honestly about 50-50. 50% need a guide provided by the preserve. 50% have their own bird dog and we let them go out on their own. Like when Mike and I show up with Lacey Blues. Exactly. What's better than going out with your own dog by yourself, you and are hunting. It depends on how she's acting. Oh, uh, you love it anyway. Sometimes I really wish Henry was there with, <laughs> with Birdie and Bullet and yeah. Kimber. And <laughs> it's true. It's true. But it is great to go out on your own with your own dog. And a lot of our um, customers, we call them our old timers, mm -hmm. you know, that were here back when my dad first started. It was, oh, wow. We still have a lot of the old timers with their dogs and we cycle through. And they get a new dog to cycle through and another dog to cycle through. And they just love coming here because they can just go out with their dog on their yeah. own. They know they're going to put their dog on birds. My dad always said, again, I keep harkening back to him because this is his legacy that yeah. I am keeping alive for him. This is a 700-acre dog park, right? <laughs> That's fantastic. A lot of other people take their dogs to a dog park. It might be in the county or the city or the wherever they may be. This one is a dog park as well. You go out with your extremely well-trained bird dog. People don't understand how much it takes to get a well-trained bird dog on, on birds and have it hold and back and retrieve and all of the things yeah. that these 
dogs amazingly do. I mean, yes, they are hardwired for that. Yes, they are well-bred, but- Can they do it? Can they do it? Can you harness that and make the dog work for you? Yeah. As the- That's something I'm learning. Yeah. And that that's, I have to say, you know, kind of segueing into your beloved, you know, yeah. Neil has been instrumental sure. in that. So talk, talk a little bit for our listeners about well, what it's been like being able to have Neil here. And great. It has been great. And it has really, um, as far as the longevity of this hunting preserve and the sport itself, because honestly, upland bird hunting is not, you know, the most popular hunting there is out there, right? Um, right. Everybody wants the, the big buck. And, right. Everybody wants to deer hunt. This is, as my dad would again say, the gentleman's sport of yeah. upland bird hunting. And it's, he would say dying sport. I would beg to differ a little bit because, and in part, we realize that unless we can train people to get, have their own bird dog and go hunting on their own with their own dog, the sport will fizzle out. Right. Um, and so we started a very, very um, rapidly growing dog training membership and dog training clinics and dog training private lessons, which we advertise and foster and has really taken off. And I think a lot of, you know, COVID-19 um, kind of gave that a little kick as well because a lot of people were wanting to not only get outside but dog ownership because they have time. Skyrocket. Yeah, so those two kind of things dovetail together into we are, you know, our dog training has really been uh, blossoming. Well, and I, I know that um, the fact that Neil was doing these kind of beginner, intermediate, and even advanced group lessons yes. every Sunday that I think that we started Lacey Blues back in June or something uh-huh. during that round and yeah. you guys have another round coming up November 7th yeah we'll start on November 7th for our second well not our second but we'll kick it back up we have um this is not just for training your dog to be a bird dog but our foundations clinic is basically manners and obedience. Just for anybody. For any Somebody's dog. got Fluffy sitting at home and exactly. Fluffy is a pain in the butt and needs a little Fluffy bit of work. Fluffy is dragging me down the street. <laughs> Fluffy is counter surfing. Fluffy barks at the neighbors. Fluffy this or that or the other. Yes, yeah. we do that. And all of dog training starts with that foundation of manners and obedience. Um, we go, uh, we follow rather the Huntsmith method. Delmar Which I Smith, love. Smith, yes. I've seen instant progress with Lacey Blue. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also called the silent command system where, you know, we, we, there's, not, there's no talking or blabbing at your dog. It's just a, you know, you know assertive control behavior. Being, um, being the, the leader of the pack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so it's it's thriving. We're starting up again, and what we're doing, you know, circling back to the hunting preserve, is we are creating our own clients. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
I know I have lots of students that want a puppy. So yeah, we got got a litter brewing of setters and, you know, so we're, you know, it's, it's been really great. People are very much enjoying the training and a lot of people with this sport, you know, you, you're shooting, even if you're not the best shot, your dog handling is very complicated. There's a lot of things going on. Yeah. And it's just fun. It's challenging. You're outside. And this sort of hunting on, on preserve hunting, um, you're walking, you're talking, you're enjoying each other's company. You're making fun of each other because they missed that shot. Well, if you'd taken a lesson from Kate Onstrom, doing shooting sports, <laughs> you wouldn't have missed that shot. But, you know, so you can talk. It's not all hushy-hush, quiet, yeah. you know, trying to hide from each other. It's it's very much fun social activity, and I feel like with our dog training, um, you know, it's just growing and growing. Again, we're we like to think that we're creating our own future customers, so it's it's working out great. And my husband Neil um, is our resident pro trainer, and he studied under Rick Smith, who is Delmar Smith's son. And, um, and Rick, Rick actually, um, you know, he'll pop up here from time he to time. I mean, he lives, lives and, uh, in the area and yeah, I know I get a little starstruck whenever I see him. I'm like, oh my God, he knows my name. That's so I, awesome. I didn't realize how famous Rick Smith was. Yeah. Until I was like, wow. I mean, people around the world know who he is. He's oh, just, absolutely. He's just a local guy who was, you know. So we're really lucky that Rick is here and, um, you know, we are his disciples of his, uh, his training method, which you can pick any method. It's, we're not saying that that's the one and the only pick a method, you stick with it and you go with it, but right. that's what we use here. And it's, it's worked very well for, for Neil. Um, you know, he's, he's helped me work through several, um, issues completely owner contrived, I will admit, (laughs) you know, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have Neil on in a future podcast. Oh, that would be a good one. Yeah. A lot of information, a lot of knowledge. Definitely. Definitely. But, um, so what, what else do you have going on here at Orapax? I know you've, you've kind of expanded the property as far as opportunities for yeah. the average consumer? Well, we are in our efforts to grow and sustain the business. We've um, got a conditional use permit to do events on the property now. Okay, fun. So we can do, um, you know, weddings, corporate events, parties, rehearsal dinners, um fundraisers things like that um yeah I think last year there were a couple of times you were doing I think it was like a field to table dinner you had a chef here I mean beautiful candles and lanterns the Gooch and Gastronome Society oh okay here they they haven't asked me to put in an application yet but (laughs) John Nadalski Oh, Nadolski's poultry, yeah. Yeah, he he is the uh, Guchlin Gastronome Society uh, Grand Poobah. I don't know okay. what the word may be, but he is. I'll give him a fancy hat. That's what it is. I make that up at home. I don't know what it is. But um, yeah, he's had some parties out here, and um, 
people will actually come with their field to table and you know come out of the hunt field and have a party with their bag and yeah. um, enjoy dinner here. And you've got the great barn with all the lights and the Thank you. Stage yeah, I appreciate you pointing and... that out. We love, we've got a new, well, it's not a new, it's a hundred year old cattle barn. I always tell people it's not a Mick barn that just popped up. It's, it's right. It's been there. <laughs> it's been there. It's, it's the real deal barn. Um, it's, it's rustic, but it's got a stage and a good floor and the twinkle lights and the, you know, chandeliers and things where people can, you know, have a party in there. And of course we have the money shot hill here over the lake, which is really enjoyable. Um, so we've done a lot of parties. We do corporate events, fundraisers. Um, we've had hunt gather parties where people, you know, whether it's homecomings or corporate people that want to hunt in the morning and have a party afterwards. So, so there's there's just a ton of opportunities here at Oracox, just unlimited. So with that event barn and the fishing pond and the 10 plus however many secret fields you're growing here yeah. on the property, um, tell the listeners a little bit about your long-term goal for Oropax and how do you see it developing and growing within the communities, you know, maybe specifically, not so specifically within the bird hunting industry? Well, I will tell you, thank you for asking that because I want to, to let everybody know that the long-term goal for this 700 acres in my heart and in the heart of my family and in the heart of probably a lot of people in this community is to keep this area green open space that's awesome and in order to do that i have to grow a business yeah a business that incorporates hunting um i think we will really be able to expand and increase our revenues by becoming a destination site, meaning a place where people can come from out of town and stay here. And so oh, from wow. a long okay. range plan, um, we have some buildings on the property that we're going to work to making unhosted event uh, kind of like a, a uh, either like air, farm, Airbnb, Airbnb. Airbnb or God, that's exciting. Yeah. And we've got some, some things in the works there, um, or a few years out, but that'll change the game. If people can come and stay, have an Airbnb, um, have a wedding where people can come here and stay here for, you know, have, in other words, if you want to come to have your wedding here, shotgun wedding ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and, but you can actually stay here on the property have your yeah. wedding on the property and have a residence that you can sleep overnight right that will be a game changer for i mean us. i guess somebody could always do glamping and there's companies that you can bring in yeah because with the pond i mean this i call it a pond but it's really much more regal an appearance, um, especially with the dam that you can cross over and go up to the high fields. Yeah. And it's just so much that you can do here. You know, yeah. I look forward to hopefully off season future events with 
um, covered wagon, you know, kind of chuck wagon horseback ride. Oh, yeah, that would be great. We did the Father's Day birds, bass, and brews, where we had fly fishing, yeah. clay shooting, bird dog demonstrations, and of course, burgers and beers. Of course, um, burgers and beers. Of, yeah, I think that's what really brought everybody. But um, so many different yeah. things that you can can do with this well, property. I mean, and that's, you know, I'm open to, to anything. I mean, with 700 acres as a resource, you know, there, there are a lot of different things we can do. And that's what we're working toward now. Now that we've kind of got our arms fully wrapped around the hunting preserve and we're growing there, we have our reputation and we know we have our conditional use permit for our events and for our buildings for our unhosted residents or whatever it may be called, Airbnb, right? Um, or VRBO. And, um, you know, there are other areas to grow that are compatible with hunting preserve. And I think, you know, is hunting preserve the most profitable thing out there in the world? No, there are other things you can do with 700 acres that are much more profitable. Right. I mean, you could, you could easily, you could just, you know, overnight change your mind, sell it to a developer and be a millionaire beyond your wildest dreams. Exactly. And just, you know, sunny acres here. Yeah. You know, four packs acres or whatever it may be. But that's not the goal. We want to grow and thrive and think of every way we can squeeze any sort of rural activities out here um, to make it's sustainable you know we're just trying to keep it real and we want to be sustainable there are so many people that you know don't understand what how much money and effort and that it takes to own a piece of property you know i always tell people like they're like oh you think you've got this up okay well how much work is it going to take for you to take care of your backyard today yeah, I only own 10 acres and it's a constant struggle. <laughs> How about one half of an acre in Henrico County? Yeah. You know, it's a lot of work. And, you know, you've got, got over, we, you've got 700. We've got 700. So we're trying to figure out ways rurally where we can keep this place going. And I just appreciate you letting me be one of the people that you highlight on your podcast because it can only, hopefully, if I haven't flubbed up too many words, <laughs> stuck my foot in my mouth, my yeah, food, you've been my food fantastic. in my mouth, you know, um, to advertise our property and advertise the service that we provide and the sport that we love and the conservation that my dad promoted and was so important to him. He could name every tree on this land and I can't tell you how many yeah. times I got in trouble for chopping one down to do whatever, you know, these things are important to hunters and they're important to people in the shooting sports and they're important to people that don't even know well, it's important that they're important to the do, community. Right? I mean, yeah, people don't you're even located know. literally on historic route six, right. one of the most beautiful drives between downtown Richmond to I think you can run it all the way out to Lovington I mean it's yeah I mean it's just a beautiful stretch of road um we're lucky location wise because we're close to Richmond we're close to Charlottesville yeah and people that live in Tidewater in northern Virginia 
are used to recreating a couple hours away yep. anyway. And, um, but it is a historic property. It's rich with, you know, Algonquins who came in from the Tidewater area and Thomas Jefferson, of course, he's touched every place around here anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, so what what um, does Oropax mean? I'm sure well, it has a I'm meaning. I'm sure you're tired of talking to me, but I'll wrap it up and tell you what Oropax is an Algonquin Indian word. Again, Tidewater area. The Algonquin Indians were Tidewater. Okay. Um, it means bountiful waters in Algonquin. Okay. And the reason that the Algonquin Indians, Powhatan, this was his summer camp. Oh, Chief, Chief Powhatan. Powhatan. This was the area where he summered inland. Okay, so I'm going to step a little taller when I'm walking through the fields now, Please knowing do. that Chief Powhatan yeah, actually he was here. paced yeah, around this property. And the, the word, Orpax. And, and it does. It, it backs up to the James River. We're on the James. We have Licking Hole Creek. And then the, our little 700 acres of the original, you know, 7,000 land grant was, um, we've got three ponds. Okay. Here and beautiful spring water that comes up. Mary Jefferson Bowling, who is Thomas Jefferson's oldest sister, married John Bowling, who was a yes. descendant of Pocahontas. Yeah. And they lived on this property on the exact same homestead site as my parents' house that exists wow. today. So again, Algonquin, you got to throw in some TJ because that's what we do when you live in Virginia. I have talked about Thomas Jefferson. Yep. Sorry. I forget old TJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> TJ. Well, Jane, yeah. this has been such an absolute... I mean, I've, I've learned so much and I thought I knew everything about the place, but wow. little did I know, but now I do. Um, Thank you. So let everybody know how they can get a hold of Oropax Hunting Preserve, a official green top outfitter. Um, so that, saying that too. yeah, so they can come out here and book a hunt. Knows what she's doing. <laughs> she does. Um, yes, so you can, we have really strong social media, Instagram and Facebook. Okay, or, and that's just at Orpax Hunting? Yes, Orpax Hunting, Orpax Hunting Preserve, either one will take you there. And um, of course, our local number you can call when you want to book a hunt. And what, what is that local number? It's 804-556-2261. And Missy Five Coat will answer the phone. <laughs> unless she's, unless September, I give her a day off. September through April, you yeah. will get Missy on the phone. I can promise That's you. That's right. Um, and then make sure you also head up on the website. Yep. We have a great website and um, it's kept up to date. And I was going to say, you've got pricing and, and everything yeah. there. And um, if, if you're a single or a twosie and you want to put together a few more people to go on a hunt but don't know who, always feel free to hit us up at virginiashootingsports.com. Click on that link that says bird hunts. Um, I know right now we are booked through, uh, I believe, the first or second week of January for our beginner intermediate upland hunts here at Oropax, but there are plenty of hunts 
still available January, February, March, and the first week or two of April before it becomes just too blazing hot for myself, the guide, or the dogs to be tromping out into Chief Palatine's land. Um, but uh, absolutely, thank you so much, Jane. This has been you, such Kate. a fantastic informative session great thanks so much there is a lot more to running a hunting preserve than just sticking out birds and sending clients into the fields after them jane Calder, owner of orpax hunting preserve has meticulously and carefully put together an incredible team dedicated to exceed their clients' expectations. With 700 acres, 10 fields and counting, and over 30,000 released birds a year, Jane is proudly looking to the future and continued growth of her operation. Find Orapax Hunting Preserve at 3831 River Road West, just about 30 minutes from Richmond, and about 45 minutes from Charlottesville. They can be found online at orapax.com and be sure to follow their social media under Orapax Hunting Preserve. And don't hesitate to call at 804-556-2261 and speak directly to Jane or Missy and book your next amazing bird hunt, or you can grab a reservation for one of our great hunts. All equipment and wing shooting instruction is included, and you definitely don't want to miss the post-hunt party. VSS hunts are found right on our website at vashootingsports.com. Click on Bird Hunts and scroll through to see available dates and times. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Winged Wisdom. If you would like to send in audio messages or questions for future episodes, please follow the message button on our homepage or the link in the featured description. I would like to thank Jane Cotter for joining us today. Next time, we're speaking with Mike Onstrom, who will be giving us the inside scoop on hunting, but with a twist. Mike is a licensed falconer, and for some of you that have hunted with me at Oropax, you have had the distinct pleasure of meeting his beautiful red-tailed hawk, Isa. Listen in as we explore bird hunting with birds and find out about this age-old sport of kings and to see how he is helping to preserve it. Please follow Winged Wisdom each week for shooting tips and tricks and to see what's flying.